here's the situation. You're entering your seventh and final year at Hogwarts, and you get to pick your class schedule. You're going to take four academic classes, one athletic class, and you get to do one clinic that puts you out in the real wizarding world. <laughs> it's all elective. What are the classes that you choose? That's great. That's great. I, I'm going to have to not think about this while it happens and just come up with them real quick later on because I, I can't split my focus this way. I'm TJ Jagodowski. I'm Rush Howell. And this is Here's the Situation, a real podcast about hypothetical situations. And this week's theme, Rush, you came up with is Fiction Harry. Correct. Fiction Harry. And I'm and I'm fairly proud of myself, Rush, because um, the, the one fiction fictional Harry that I avoided was Harry Potter. Good. But I did look up a list of other Harrys, and every one of my uh, situations this week will be uh, will be inspired by a a, a specific fictional Harry. Ah, that's awesome! And many of mine will be Harry Potter related, so uh, we won't we won't tip too far uh on the scales along towards uh towards harry potter great and this uh, obviously tj you've never heard my situations Mm-mm. i've never heard your situations uh apologies to uh the listeners if um if the sound quality isn't uh, as good as we hope it uh, usually is but we are still in uh quarantine and likely will be for a while yeah so and, get uh, used to uh, it we're recording from our separate <laughs> homes practicing Social distancing, uh, even as we record the podcast. Yeah, Rush is Rush is uh, downtown in a in a tall building, and I'm up on the north side in our uh, in our house. And uh, I guess without further ado, I'm going to hit you with one, Rush. Excellent. This um, this um, this situation is um, inspired by Harry Osborne. Does that does that fictional Harry ring a bell for you? Uh, I. Not not immediately. If anything, the only place uh, I think it might come uh, might hit a bell for you is he was the second iteration of the Green Goblin. So if you remember the Spider Man, oh, yes. that was okay. Harry Osborn. So yeah, played by James Franco. In right. The film. Yep. And I think and I looked it up. There may have been in other. He may have shown up in another movie played by someone else. But Franco is definitely the one I remember. I think Willem Dafoe was his dad in that one. If that's correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. So. Rush. Um, Here's a fun fact about w- w- Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Please. Uh, won't play the same character uh, more than four times. <laughs> that's, that's what his agent told a friend of mine when he asked him to uh, to be in a TV show that was based on him. They said, likes the script, won't play the same character more than four times. Just a hard, a hard line there. Hard line. <laughs> Can't get him to be Wolverine. Can't uh, get him to be James Bond. Just four times as the max. Well, it's good that Don't he left. He left himself the much larger part of the ledger as far as characters he he can play. You know, like well, uh, no TV. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, good, gotcha. Short circuit himself in that in that regard. All right. Well, here is here's our first situation based on uh, based on Harry Osborne. Here's the situation, Rush. You're an everyday citizen of big city. One morning, you're on your way to get your morning diet Dr. Pepper over at the convenience store near the big city nuclear plant, and you are bombarded with beta rays, buddy. These um, these rays in particular heighten some aspect or aspects of your personality to horrible levels, turning you into big city's newest arch villain. 
Oh, uh-oh. I'd like you That's to... Yeah, I know. I know. But, uh, you know, inspired by Harry Osborne. This is the way I had to I had oh, I to go it with it. Inspired by the big city tap in Chicago. <laughs> Terrible where place. That, that place is oh. close to nuclear as oh. well. Of all the four o'clock joints, I, why anyone wanted to go there, I don't care that it was closer to the old I.O. I, I no. <laughs> walk up to Carol's 10 times out of 10 instead. Um, so uh, you are turned into big city's newest arch-villain. Rush, if you would, describe and name yourself and tell me what sort of evil plots and crime you like to focus on as uh, as this arch-villain. Okay. Uh, I think I want to be somebody like um, uh, the puppeteer. Okay. And uh, what I do is uh, I... Uh, somehow my like uh i've got this super ability to uh it's probably like like very very high intellect uh way way higher than my current intellect which allows me to kind of see through time a little bit and also uh be able to hold multiple things in my head at once okay (laughs) and allows me to uh come up with elaborate uh, ruses like <laughs> long cons and such where I can take uh, a group of people and basically put them into a series of machinations where they don't understand that they're all every every step that they're taking is part of my master plot and you're like the guy who came up with the, making their own choice you're like the guy who came up with the game or uh, or yes. like or jigsaw a little bit. Uh, if, is that is that the guy's name in Saw? Uh, it is. It is. I have never seen a Saw movie and never will. But I do. I have read a few of the synopses of Saw. I was intrigued enough that I was willing to read the Wikipedia. I'll watch. I, I don't watch. I watch just about any movie, and I think I've watched. Uh, I think I've watched maybe three Saws, and which is something for me because I don't like gore. But I'll watch just about any movie that says like. Six strangers come to in a room. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll watch that just about every time. Oh, I'm in. I'm in for that intrigue every time as well. But uh, not not if there's gore like that. I yeah. just I'm just out. But uh, I, I love like yeah, like movies like that, like The Game, and and just there's some like there's some fun things about like the Sherlock Holmes Moriarty battles where they're they're always three steps ahead of each other and it's totally impossible. Yeah. You couldn't actually ever do it. It's like, Rube, would be fun. it's like Rube Goldberg played out with it with deduction. You know, it's like a, like a citywide Rube Goldberg machine. Figure out this part. I love anything where you have to figure out this part to get to the next part, to get to the next part. What was it? The second diehard. I didn't even mind that where it was like, these riddles that Jeremy Irons had him going through. That was the third one. The yeah. third one. Okay. Oh, right. Classic one, three, two trilogy, by the way. Right. First one's the best. Third one, <laughs> second best. Second is the third best. Classic one, three, two diehard. That second but one yeah, was like that, McLean's out on the exactly. uh, out on the runway, right? You hit, you, you hit on it. Is that Jesus yeah. Christ? Is that McLean? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So that, that's that's exactly what I was thinking about, though. Is one of those things where. You know, you organize this whole thing and they think that they're doing it all for one purpose. And then when they finish it, whoops, you know, all we did was uh, help help the villain with his super plot that never could have occurred. Lest we uh, we, we, we did all these activities that we thought were benefiting us. And this That's is my super villain heightening the actual part of your personality to a villainous part where you like to put things together like scavenger hunts or board game evenings or, or whatever. We're just turning that to to evil, to evil intention, eh? 
Yeah, because most of those villains, right, is like, you know, Dr. Octopus or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. they have their thing, they're, they're decent people, yep. and then they're too ambitious, and they, you know, they, 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 they swallow the bag of bees while they get hit by lightning, <laughs> and, uh, oh, I shouldn't eat them bees, and then, uh, and then they're, you know, they take on those, these aspects of their personality, just get heightened, that was certainly my thought. Lightning Bee is one of my, he's, he's a good villain, Lightning Bee. <laughs> yeah, we used to do that, Tommy Dewey and I used to do that one, where we... Right, that was the superhero. He's the reluctant superhero who who eats a bag of bees right as he gets hit by lightning, and then he just every time the chief is like, "Get down here, lightning!" He's like, "Shouldn't have eaten them bees." <laughs> but we we were gonna cure him, but we we need the honey. You know, it's like that old joke. <laughs> My brother in law thinks he's a chicken. Oh, you want me to fix him? No, actually, we could use the eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like I like it. the puppeteer. I like that. That I would I would buy yeah. a comic book with the puppeteer as uh, our primary villain. I love it. All right, so that was Harry Osborn. All right. Um, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my one non Harry Potter fictional Harry one for you then. Though. All right. Uh, okay, TJ. Uh, here's the situation. Mm-hmm. You work for uh, a, a a movie studio, a film production studio. And uh, there's been like a writer's strike. And unfortunately, you're taking the, the wrong side of history and you're going to go against the, the writer's strike oh. and, and, be, and be making movies uh, from uh, within the uh, within the film studio. And uh, all you've got are catchphrases. Okay. So what made me think of this was Dirty Harry. Go ahead. Sure. Make my day. Sure. So everybody remembers. I don't know how many times he even said it, but that's the first thing people think of when they think of. Uh, that that fictional Harry, uh, Dirty Harry, and so uh, I'm going to give you just uh, a few of these phrases, and that's all I've got. And you have to build a character or a show around uh, somebody that's going to have this as a catchphrase. <laughs> all right. So it can be a movie, it can be a TV show, <laughs> however you want it. But I want to know what character is it that's saying this phrase, and uh, and a little bit more of the context around what you're going to do with them. Okay, okay? I'm ready. All right, so the first one, the first thing, they have the rights to this, so they got they want you to build a character is, uh, I reminded them, you can't argue with physics. Oh, nice. So who, who, who do they use that for? Who is that? Uh, who, who, who uses that as a punchline, as a catchphrase? All right. Time to time. This is one of those. This is going to be one of um, one of those shows along the lines of like Dangerous Minds or Bones, um, where there's like th- there's your main crime fighters, you know, like there's okay. your main doctor, your main forensic, your main detective or whatever. But part of part within their little group is this like kind of undersized scientist guy. He's either like five foot one or or 120 pounds or some combination of both. Um, do you remember okay. Riptide? Oh yeah. So Perry, I think Perry King and Joe Penny were the main two guys, but then there was the dude Tom Bray who had that robot, also lived okay, out on the yeah. boat. Like uh, if you remember that face, and that's that's a fairly deep cut. So if anyone's with me on on Tom He's Bray, werewolf with a speedboat, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when they finally like catch the guy and the dudes like hanging a lot of these situations kind of happen where like criminal is hanging from a railing instead of just like surrendering you know and getting cuffed he's like you won't take me guys and he thinks he can get from one railing to the of the railing of the hotel room next door on the 12th floor but yeah and this guy's about to say like 
wait a minute, sir, you're 234 pounds, and with the wind blowing southeast, whoa, <laughs> dude falls. Then this 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 nerd part of their of their like crime solving group says, I try and remind them, you can't argue with physics. <laughs> I love it. He's not even like setting up physics traps. He's just like he's constantly remind, reminding people when they're in difficult situations where they're trying to combat physics in the trail. Or this guy like it. like, hey, just stop. We have some questions. And the guy's like, the guy you know thinks he's in more trouble. Runs across the street and gets hit by a cab. Like, huh, try and remind them. Can't argue with physics. But you know, and he might even start to say like, body in motion. Stay. Eh. You know, let's it go. Yeah, I love it. He's just—he's just kind of like—he's a little bit of a dick. He just reminds you too late that, that you came to your demise based off of the, the laws of physics. If if like the Big uh, Bang hadn't covered the Aspergers thing pretty well, then they would probably say like this fellow might have a touch of Aspergers. As it, as it, as it is, they just say he's socially awkward. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll remind you that in uh, Castle, TJ. Yeah. Uh, that Nathan Fillion's character is a is a laugh. Is allowed to uh, uh, to go work with the detectives yeah. based on his friendship with the mayor. Yeah, due to his friendship with the mayor, right? <laughs> I'm trying. I'm going to try that next time at a casino. I'm going to try and get get behind like the cage and say like, "Well, guys, it's all right. I'm friends with the mayor." Yeah, I'm going to try to play second base for the Cubs one, one day and just be like, "Due to Mister Howell's friendship, friendship with Lori Lightfoot." He will now be playing second base. <laughs> All right. All right. Great. Great. Uh, here's another one. Yep. Uh, this is a catchphrase that uh, the studio owns, and they want to build uh, a character around it or a show around it. Uh, somebody who says, and that's how the cookie crumbles. Oh, okay. Um, and that's how the cookie crumbles. Man, it's tough not to go like crime fighters on, on all of these, you know? Um, yeah, or like like uh, detectives, like uh, you know what what is the the guy that's ah, well, I'm blanking on the David Caruso. It's hard not to do the David Caruso yeah. on all of them, right? <laughs> um, so this, um, let's do yeah, yeah, yeah. The Horatio, Horatio, uh, whatever his last name was, Horatio something. Um, so this is a sitcom, and it's a sitcom. Um, it's kind it's on ABC, and they're 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 kind of using the template created by Home Improvement. Um, but it's a, it's a cooking show, you know, and, okay. and like a lot of, a lot of cooking, if you ever watch, um, um, chef shows or co- competitive cooking shows, the one thing they can never do is bake for they, they, people get scared to hell. Like as soon as they have to bake or do a dessert, they'll find some, oh, right. like they'll do a sorbet or like something, some other non-bake thing. Like, and so for whatever reason, as much as the the main character screws up every time they they bake it, they they try and bake, they won't use this phrase on the show or in the studio. It's always in relationship to his three his th- some something that happened with one of his three daughters. Um, and okay. so he's got one daughter's like seventeen who's dealing with that like becoming an adult stuff. He's got one daughter who's twelve, which who's dealing with just kind of like awkward middle school stuff and he's got one daughter who's seven who's just trying to who mostly deals with like i can do this like eh, you know what you know lily you're not old enough you can't do that and then she's like i right. can i can ride a bike and then she like falls kind of you know like bashes her elbow and then he'll hit her with huh, that's the way the cookie crumbles <laughs> yeah i love it I, I i can't help but think that if it's like a tim allen based show and mm-hmm. it's like largely targeted to like the kind of 
uh, center right slash right of our nation that 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 17 year old will be very attractive, you know, and then it'll be, it'll be all about him dealing with, Oh my God, I've got a hot daughter. You know, that's always the, I don't know why that breaks on that side of the political line, but I think it does. I've got a hot daughter who also wants to close all the borders. (laughs) I got a hot daughter who's a huge second amendment fan. Uh, Yeah, as much as I agree with her, I don't like the caliber of boy she's she's attracting. Well, hon, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Ooh, that reminds me, I got to make a fruit tart next week on my show. I I could also see it being like uh, a fourth wall break. Like he looks, <laughs> he, he just looks right to to all of us at home and says, "That's how the cookie crumbles." Jack Benny style with his palm palm on cheek. That's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> <laughs> One day we do need to talk about our, our we both love Top Chef, right? <laughs> yes, we do. We can talk about cooking shows for sure. Oh, uh, you asked one. me this, by the way, um, a little while ago, and I told you I was waiting for it to reach its finale. Uh, Beth and I have watched the first three episodes of Lego Masters. How was it? So-so. Not It's not as engaging as I hoped. They're trying, they make some kind of, like, Will Arnett makes a lot of sort of meta meta comments in it of, like, it's you know, very much aware that this is a reality show. And so now we're going to pause to go to commercial with building suspense for, uh, for the reality show. Um, and also just some of the detail and stuff and the tiny work that is involved in these, in these, um, builds, they call them. You just can't really get a a great sense of how detailed it is. It'd be like looking at a puntillism painting where you're like, you can appreciate it on the, on the macro, but, it's tough to show you all the little bits that went into it. So they're also pushing yeah. the personalities of the competitors a little, a little much. There's like the cosplay ladies and the two guys with beards who wear flannel and the father and son. They're trying to make them more, you know, characters as opposed to just letting them build their stuff and let that be, let that be it. Yeah. And just, yeah, let, let it like trust it. Right. Yeah. Like, like just trust that a show about Legos can work without throwing a bunch of bells and whistles yeah. on it. Uh, but yeah, it seems like it never really caught into the cultural zeitgeist very much at all. So that doesn't surprise me, although it does disappoint me. A, a different kind of show that is also like, um, a, uh, building, building and crafty stuff, making it the Nick Offerman, Amy Poehler, um, show about making like arts and crafts is awesome. Awesome. It's right in the right feel. It's tremendous. They just let the people kind of be and build their stuff. That's really good if, if you ever are looking for something light and airy to watch. Nice. So Amy Poehler won the Battle of the Divorcee. Without a doubt. Uh, Arnett Poehler. Uh, yes. Beth, Beth floated the theory that Mr. Arnett might have been trying to like, <laughs> that might have been part of his impetus for doing this. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, uh, last one. Yes. Uh, here's the last catchphrase that you need to fit into some sort of show or, or, or some sort of character. Uh, you're going to get me in trouble, and I like trouble. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, the this is the this is the, basically the story of like a 16 year old and his elderly grandmother. Um, she's in a she's in a home. Um, so this is a weekly, a weekly hour long, I think it's also like a, maybe a crime thing. Um, so he's, he might be like an encyclopedia Brown kind of, kind of guy. There's these like, 
um, you know, little kind of school mysteries or neighborhood convenience store mysteries, like all the milk keeps disappearing from the local convenience store. And, uh, and he really loves his grandmother. They are, um, they had a great relationship until she ended up needing more like assistance and being put in this kind of like nursing home, but she's still pretty active. You know, she'd be the one who like, who is still dancing at the, at the, the nursing home dance. So he breaks her out to help her to, so she can help him figure out these, figure out these crimes and to keep her mind active and so that they can spend some time together. And this is what she says when he goes to break her out each time, they have to find different ways for her to get out. And she goes, and this is, that's her line of like, you're going to get me in trouble. And I like trouble. Yeah. I'm going to watch that show. I'm going to see what they, what they, what they solve. I'm interested. I'm already like very interested in her backstory, right? Like was she, like, did she do some spy work during like uh, World War Two or, or Vietnam or something? And and you know, like had to, had to keep it disavowed. Nobody really knows about it. But like, she's getting the she's getting the taste back when she gets out there. And solving it, these, it's like, revealed too that she had a really long run on one of those early quiz shows. You know, like she came on as a contestant, but did so good on it they made her a panelist. Like she ended up being like the genius you had to beat afterwards. And so she had this like modicum of celebrity in the fifties being on that TV show. And then she like, it, part of this is there's like this kind of underlying thing, like to stave off Alzheimer's dementia or, you know, just feeling old, you can keep your mind active, you know, keep it working on yep. puzzles or whatever. So it's, it's, his he wants to keep her mind as brilliant as it always was so he ropes her in on these to to help him help him out i love it i'm watching all right right, rush um so this next um fictional harry is one of two different characters who share a name one from one of my favorite films this one not one of my favorite films but shares shares the name harry lime and Harry Lime was uh, Joe Pesci's name in Home Alone. Oh, oh, great. Yes. Okay, I love Home Alone. So here's the situation, Rush. You are one half of a home burglary team. Your previous partner got a paint can in the face and decided it, he was done. He's hanging it up. So you are interviewing for new, for new partners. What qualities would you look for in a breaking and entering partner to specifically balance you out as a team and describe for me how you think you would go about doing a typical job? Wow. He took a can of paint in the face. Yeah. I will say the, uh, the amount of abuse oh, that Daniel Stern in particular <laughs> endures, uh, that, that movie is not far from just straight up torture porn. Right. Uh, hot iron? Did you get a hot iron to the cheek too? Oh or? my god! Yeah. They, 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 I mean, they step on like all those like jacks and stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of things that would really, really hurt. It's kind of like he falls. It's kind of like McCulkin saw. You know, it's like Macaulay yeah, Culkin is. saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I recall like maybe more than one thing goes goes up his butt too, like in a really in a way that would be extraordinarily medically uh, bad. And that uh, and that completes the torture porn part of the of the of the metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm not making it up. I mean, no. Um. So. All right. So, so one thing about me is I'm, I'm not very, uh, handy, right? Like okay. I, I don't, I mean, I think I, I mean, I own like a very, very basic set of tools. I can't really do much of anything. I mean, when I say I'm not very handy, I mean, I'm like <laughs> not handy at all. 
Um, so I think like I want somebody who is uh, re- really going to be good at that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, like I want them to know how a window works, and I need <laughs> them to know, um, you know, when we're going to break in various forth. Like, I just need somebody who's who's on top of that can really use a set of tools. Uh, like one of these people that's like in 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 the you know heist movies. There's always somebody who is just unbelievably good cracking a safe. Yep. Um, so people that have that kind of skill set. So I would describe it as extremely high uh, uh, mechanical aptitude. Yep. Um, that would be a big part of it. Uh, I think I would want you know somebody who's probably like pretty strong too if if we can get that into the combo with the mechanical acumen that's gonna be the most important but the second most important is probably i need somebody who um you know if 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 things go awry uh is uh you know a bit of an enforcer yeah um (laughs) in these circumstances uh we're not going to bring guns you know Uh, we're going to try to steer clear of that i hear you i hear Um, wise and I think we're just going to be, you know, I'm going to be uh, largely doing the planning. So I'm, I'm pretty okay. much worthless, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm like Hannibal and the A-team or, you know, whoever. So, uh, so basically what I need is I need the person who can do literally everything besides coming up with a, a few basic points. Because also, I'm not going to be too good at the uh, planning either. Like, I can't read a blueprint. Um uh, not an architect don't have a lot of history with it uh so i'm gonna need somebody who can help me with that basically i'm gonna like i can organize it you know i'm gonna be like hey let's let's definitely plan on like i'll i'll figure out i'll follow what they're doing you know i'll, I'll pick the target i'll like map out like, when do they leave and what are their habits and you know what what who's a good who's a good person to rob and gotcha. who's not? you know maybe i can be okay at that but virtually every other aspect of it uh, I'm going to need a lot of help. On so that. you're, and, and so then your typical job, your typical, uh, B and E would be one of those like highly planned out a lot of, a lot of recon, get a real sense of their, their comings and goings, you know, really, really be sure they're gone. Here's the quickest way in and out three minutes. We grab this, this, and this, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm going to be good at doing all this stuff. That's like, I like the practice scenes in the movie, you know, where I've got the stopwatch and you're like, we got three minutes and 17 seconds and you got to get past uh-huh. these, these three yeah. uh, things. And, you know, <laughs> oh, you're too slow. You're too slow, Johnson. You know, uh, And we keep practicing and practicing. And finally, like we smile at each other because we did it in 306. And right. We got 11 seconds cushion. But then, like, of course, right when we start, like some weird thing happens, it costs you 12 seconds. And we're like, we're going to have to do it the fastest we ever did. You know, all, all of those sort of things. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, so, TJ. Yes. Uh, we're still on Fiction Harry. Fiction uh, Harry. is certainly related to uh, fiction. So here's the situation. All right, buddy. We're going to do a bracket. Ooh. And it's a bracket of what makes fiction great for TJ. Okay? Ooh. So we're going to focus on aspects that, that would go into a piece of fiction. And you're just going to tell me which of the two things is more important uh, in, in a generic sense, right? So sure. not any one particular piece, but on the whole, which thing is more important? So uh, written, I can tell you this: written in English is going to win this. Is going to win this tourney. It's that's, so we don't have we don't have like English. We don't have one that's like, is it good or is it bad? <laughs> okay. Uh, but, but 
that's, we do have that's uh, a closer have a, that's a closer matchup than you might than you might think. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, but I've got eight. I'm sorry, sixteen characteristics awesome. uh, or sixteen aspects of a potential piece of fiction, and we're going to see at the end. And we it may not come out exactly right, but we're going to we're going to see which one carries the day. Which is the most important aspect for you? Okay, it's kind of in the same vein of like, all right, uh, you go to a movie. What's going to be most important if you don't know anything else? Sure. Title or lead actor or whatever. I love but, it. Okay. I love it. All right. So first round, protagonist mm-hmm. or antagonist. What's more important to have a great one of? That's great. Um, this is tight, man. This is tight because it's 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 really wonderful to root against someone, but uh, I I more distinctly remember being absolutely frustrated by not being presented with someone I could root for. So I will go with protagonist. Great. Hey, and I for you, for you with like with Holmes and Moriarty, do you find yourself more? Rooting for Holmes or more rooting to foil Moriarty? Um, for Holmes in that particular situation, okay. I, I would say overall, I would rather have a great protagonist. Yeah. I agree with you. But I, I, I love a great antagonist, no doubt. I mean, they, they, these were, were near the top of, of my list. And there are some there are some pieces of fiction that I really liked, like... Um, like Pillars of the Earth, did you read those uh, mm-hmm. in the Ken Follett books? And and in those in those, I probably cared more about like the bad guy getting his comeuppance than I cared about you yeah. know, the good guy. But if if I think about like a Watership Down or uh, Remains of the Day or you know books that I I, I don't know why I picked those two I, <laughs> other than those are two books that I at one point in my life I called my favorite book. Remains of the day may still be my favorite piece of fiction. No kidding. Um, and I, I probably care more about the protagonists, or I definitely do. But anyway, because uh, I'm thinking, even like I didn't like Luke Skywalker as much as I didn't like Darth Vader. You know, that, that would be an example of like that was a great antagonist and a protagonist that I was frankly lukewarm on for no no, no pun doubt intended. About it. No <laughs> doubt about it. And there's um, there's several movies where the or, and, and other works of fiction where the uh, the antagonist is better and some of the best ones. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, n- none of these are going to be, I mean, some of them might be, but n- none of them are, most of them aren't going to be like 99-1. Right. You know, n- 99 times out of 100, you care about it. But, uh, you know, anyway, you got it. So um, next one. Uh, generally speaking, yep. are you looking for a work of fiction to be long or short? I which, pre- is a, which is a bigger draw. I prefer long. All right. What's more important in your fiction? Do you want uh, do you want some good surprises, or do you want it to overall have a sense of justice? Oh, good surprises. All right. Yeah. Uh, which of these is more important to you? Good conflict, and that could be fighting or or you know other types of conflict or intrigue. Looking for conflict versus intrigue. I prefer intrigue. All right. I find it intriguing, you know? Sure. Sure, I mean, it's, it's a great word for a reason. I always, you know, like Game of Thrones, for instance. Yeah. Uh, I prefer the intrigue of it than, than the actual, like, fights. Like, the big war battles. Um, I, I, I always enjoyed, especially reading, I cared more about the machinations of how people were figuring out how to double-cross one another and so forth. Yeah. I love that. I, I, I very much like... 
getting a third of a way, even half of the way through a book and still being like, what is exactly is going on? I can feel like pieces being moved on a board, but it's, you know, it's like watching, ideally watching, um, you know, like grandmasters of chess play. And like, I know they know what they're doing. And I know that at some point that will be revealed to me right now. I don't know why what's happening is happening, but I am interested in what it is that's going on. Yep. No, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. All right. We're now into the other half of the bracket. Okay. More important in a piece of fiction for you, a good hook at the beginning or a satisfying end. Satisfying end. I think, I think we probably have all read, you know, I, I, in fact, I think, I was telling you four or five of the last books that I read that I was going to recommend to you when I was 50 pages in was not recommending them to you by the time I was, you know, 300 that it's, uh, I, they, they all had good hooks and then just couldn't follow, couldn't follow through on it. Yeah. I think I, I, this one was, it was much closer for me than I thought it would be. Cause I wrote it down and then I was like, you know, if I think of a book like Ready Player One, mm-hmm. Ready Player One is one of my favorite three or four books that I've read in the last 10 years. I don't know if I read it in the last 10 years, so in the last 15 years. Yep. Um, and Ready Player One, I wouldn't call it like, I mean, unsatisfying ending, but th- that wasn't the, no. the, the great part of that book. The great part of the book was just how fun it was. Like right away, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. It yep. feels like I'm getting to play a game while I read a book. This is awesome. Uh, so a great hook like that at the beginning often is going to be just as important for me. Um, okay. Uh, next up, uh, do you want uh, romance or do you want uh, happiness? Something where uh, the writing brings uh, joy to the character. I'm definitely going with happiness. Romance seems tagged on to me sometimes or forced into places that don't it it doesn't always belong just for the sake of having some of that in there but definitely that's that one's that one's probably the most lopsided of the uh of the matchup so far for me yeah let's see how happiness does in the future all right (laughs) uh are you what's better for you what what's more valuable to a piece of fiction uh good imagery or good pacing pacing I'll, I'll take responsibility for some of the imagery, but uh, but I can't help pacing. In fact, when you asked er, er, when you asked earlier what um, long book or short book, I like a long book with short chapters. Mm. And I, part of part of those chapter breaks for me help that help that pacing along. Yeah, I I, I yeah, I think sometimes for me, like the imagery can fit into like some books I really like where I just feel like they have these like vignettes where they create scenes that aren't as normally I care. And I think you and I share this in common, uh, you know, movies, books, uh, I care a ton about story, pacing the story, the, the beats of the story. And at the end of the day, like all of my favorite movies and almost all of my favorite books are all about story. Yeah. But sometimes, especially in reading more than watching a film, like you, you talked about a movie. I don't know whether it was Amelie or something that you said was just you, you thought it was like kind of frame perfect, yep. and just really beautiful. And sometimes I'm like that with books, where like a gentleman in Moscow is probably my favorite book I've read in the last two years. And what I loved about that were just these like vignettes, these scenes that just were uh, 
really artfully done in a way that, 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 that I just really loved. But, I hear but overall, I would agree. Yeah, and I and certainly don't want one devoid of because truly, you're 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 absolutely right. There are images from even reading the Lord of the Rings where um, you know it might just be describing Gollum with the ring, where you just you get the perfect picture from that, and that can really like. I, if if a writer can give me enough imagery that I, I'll realize sometimes like I, I've read eight or ten pages and have been more sort of living and walking around in the in the imagined place for a while. And usually it is an image that gets me into that into that spot. And I love when it happens is I'll it, it almost happens like when I get too tired to read and be, like and I close the book and I realize like. Man, I felt like I was inside it. I wasn't just laying in my bed reading. I was inside that thing for 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 a little bit. And it's it's a magic that yes. started when I was a young young reader and it's what probably hooked me on it and what keeps me reading now is sometimes I'll just vanish inside inside the book and it is those those images that bring me in. But it's tough to sustain that over the course of three or four hundred pages, where that pacing can sustain, uh, you know, a, like a, a marching forward right. rhythm that that you really I need in a narrative. You definitely need more consistency with the pacing. I think of that image point that you just made, that this concept of kind of walking around with inside the book, inside the world of the book. How I think of that is, you know how there are those like visual tests where you take words and you have like the correct first and last letter of a bunch of words, right. but they're misspelled and jumbled all throughout and people can read it pretty easily yep. for the most part, because that's how we kind of process like, in other words, this is a big part of the movie Inception, which I love, is that our brains fill in a lot of the stuff for us subconsciously, right? We don't, we're not even really, um, we're, 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 we're going through shorthand on a lot more stuff than we think. And I think that really works. Like what you just described really hit home for me in that regard, because when, when I'm reading a book, it's probably just, I'm, I'm probably only taking like five or 10% of it in to create that world. And I, I'm not having like, you know, as, as I'm walking through the world, I'm not seeing every single character and every single cobblestone. But as long as you give me a few key touch points, my subconscious builds in all of the rest. And right. I just feel like I'm there, even though if you said, all right, describe the tower to me exactly. I'd be like, well, on the top, there's this flaming eye. And they're like, well, what does that look like? And I'm like, oh, well, I, I don't know exactly. I mean, I can't really describe <laughs> right. it. And then Peter Jackson did it you know, better than I, I ever <laughs> even could have. <laughs> I'm all right. Crack uh, a fresh soda good, here. Good. Ah, all right. Uh, all right. So TJ, we're still going on good, good pieces of uh, fiction, and our bracket for that. Now these matchups uh, get a little. Or do you that it be humorous or that it be informative? Oh. Hmm. Interesting. I love to learn. You know what? From my fiction, I, I don't, I don't, I don't need it to be and sometimes i don't necessarily want it to be humorous depending on the kind the kind it is uh i might actually i might go with informative i think i'm gonna go with informative all right right, so we're into the end of the final eight uh i think you and i have very largely agreed on these so far uh a good protagonist versus a long book which is more important give me a good protagonist and 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 a shorty if if we need to choose uh, you got surprises, straight up surprises, or you got intrigue. You got uh, wow. which of those two? Wow, I feel like one will often lead me to the other. I'm gonna go sure. with intrigue uh, of those two. Yeah, I think intrigue just a little broader, right? Like mm-hmm. like surprise can feel a little 
cheap, whereas intrigue maybe feels more earned. Yeah, sometimes. and intrigue might have some surprises baked in. So, uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's That's right. Your That's wider. right. You get your surprises, and you you, you also throw in a dash of uh, you know suspense. Uh, a satisfying end, or uh, one that conveys uh, happiness, uh, like joy to the care, sense of joy in reading. Satisfying end. Uh, good pacing versus an informative piece of fiction. Good pacing. All right, into the final four. All right, uh, a, a great protagonist or some 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 really good intrigue, which is more important. That is tough. Um, man, I I think I'm going to go with intrigue. I would too. To I think honest. so. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's. I, I think it would be tough to have really dull characters involved in really intriguing situations so i i think i might get a i might find them sort of interesting protagonists if the situations themselves are intriguing enough so yeah i think i go with intrigue yeah and i can live with like a, a you know a multi-character piece of fiction you know where, where as long as i got that good that good intrigue if it's a great uh, like uh, con if it's a great con going on then i might I, then I think it i think i'm okay with the characters being not necessarily fully flushed or one of my favorite people. If, if I really love this situation. Yep. Uh, satisfying end versus good pacing, man, man, oh man. Um, you know, if it's just a satisfying end, then <laughs> it might've been a long walk for, for a decent cup, of cup of Joe. So I'm going to go with pacing on that. All right, and so I uh, may not have thought this is where we would end up, but no. in the end, the battle is between intrigue and pacing. Which it, one? Uh, which one is going to be most important to you f- uh, for your good piece of fiction, buddy? I would have lost picking my own bracket because uh, I would not have had this as champ if I, if I had to <laughs> pick this out before thinking it through with you. I'm going to go with intrigue over overall. I love it. I have to say, as we did that, um, I think I agreed with you on all but one of okay. the choices all the way through. And then I'm not sure, like, I, I was just kind of playing along with you. And I'm like, intrigue and pacing would have been my finals, and I would have had a hell of a time. I think in the very end, I probably would have said pacing. I okay. think overall, like, give me a book that, uh, that clips, clips along, along yep. really well, has has a good... Uh, a good flow to it, but, but it would have been really close. And then, and then the one where I was very surprised was, I, I think, I, I think I take a good hook over a satisfying end. I, I'm not sure that, uh, that my favorite works of fiction, like always really deliver on the, on the final point. And, and frankly, if I spent, because I'm like you, I like a long book. So if I spent 400 pages and I enjoyed the hell out of 350 pages and it wasn't quite what I hoped for at the yeah. end, it probably isn't going to, you know, it's not going to make my pantheon of my very favorite books, but that's going to be better for, for me than one that where I was a little bit, eh, you know, and then, yeah. and then they delivered on the message. Yeah. I, I think I went with the ending because I, I have read books that had a really good hook all the way to all the way. And then it kind of lost the hook and then sort of muddled around. And I kept on going thinking like, maybe they'll really bring this, bring this around and then they didn't. And then I felt like I had wasted a bunch of time as opposed to like 
trudging through, trudging through, trudging through. And then if it ends really well, then I feel like all that, all that walking was, was, was worth it. Also, I think it's much harder and you might agree with this much harder to come up with a great ending than it is to come up with a great, oh, a great hook. hundred times. Yeah. hundred times. And I do get frustrated, especially in like when you really invest and then, and then there's just a, a, a horrific ending, like a, an unfair ending or a failure to even conclude, you yeah. know, that's uh, very frustrating, but but think of it this way: like we always talk about those Pat Rothfuss books. Like if he never writes the ending mm-hmm. and we never get to see it, we yep. still really enjoyed those books. We sure did. We sure did. All right, Rush. This is um, this next situation is now inspired by another character by the name of Harry Lime, but uh, from a movie called The Third Man. Did you ever see that? Yeah, that's who I thought you were going to be talking about with the first Harry Lime. That's who we're talking about now, Rush. So here's the situation: you are at a fancy party. And you know only the one, uh, the one friend that you you, you came with. Uh, it's a small party, maybe fifteen people, and you um, find yourself up and out on the patio with a fellow you had not met before. Uh, hang on, turn the page. He is an intriguing, charismatic, and smart fella. He says, "Let me ask you this, Rush. One day, someone somewhere in the world drops dead. Boom, just like that. And that same day, Rush." You receive a check for $1 million. What do you think about that? So it sounds to me like this guy's somehow proposing that I'm going to assist kill somebody. That's my first thought. Hmm. Oh, maybe, 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 maybe that's true. Um, Well, he goes on to say, let's say, Mr. Howell, that those two events were directly related and could be repeated at will Many times, if you would want. Would you like that to happen, Mr. Howell? Uh, interesting. So, uh, what's there's a movie with um, Franklin Jella, I think his name is, where, where uh, they hit a button and, and you get a million dollars if you hit the button, but someone will die somewhere. Oh, really? So this this sounds like, like a movie this- I should have seen. That yeah, sounds like yeah, the kind so, of setup. If I bite on these six six strangers come two in a room, then the the button that yeah. delivers a mystery mill sounds like a, a a movie I should have I should have seen. I was thinking of the yeah. the third man scene from Up in the Ferris Wheel when you know yes. how many then how many or, where he sees Orson Welles like a uh, spoiler yeah sorry um, That's, God if you haven't if anyone gets pissed off about a spoiler for the third man yeah. after a movie goes sixty years old like you really should have seen it. I don't know what you're yeah, waiting that's a pretty, for. Pretty huge spoiler, though. <laughs> right. um, so, so yeah, so, so, how many times am I willing to have somebody die somewhere in the world yeah. for me to I mean, get a million dollars would, each time? Yeah. Would you like that to happen now that you know these two events are 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 uh, related to each other? Uh, no, I'm, uh, no, I'm not willing to have a uh, a stranger die somewhere on Earth for me to get a million dollars. Although I will say I'm a little more intrigued that I can do it a lot of times. Oh yeah. Uh, he goes on to say, well, well, how about this? If, 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 uh, you don't necessarily want it to happen a lot of times, we can make it happen perhaps just once, but, uh, but your reward might be larger. If, if, if it was 10 million or a hundred million would, uh, how, how would that, how would that grab you? Well, you're getting this kind of classic, you know, utilitarian question that unfortunately we're, having to watch play out in real time in, in the COVID world, right. Where there's a debate about, okay, like 
how, how many people can we allow to, to die in exchange for, you know, not having our worldwide economy go completely in the tank because, uh, all right, one theoretical answer is I'll take, I'll have a person die for me to get a billion dollars and then I'll, I'll spend all one billion of that dollars going towards, uh, research for multiple sclerosis and I will save more lives than uh, that one by leaps and bounds. And therefore, you know, this is like kind of classic, like, uh, it's pseudo interesting supervillain well, stuff, right? M- Mr. Howell, like, Mr. Howell, you could put 990 million towards research and then still, you know, have a little something for yourself. I like the way this guy thinks. I mean, <laughs> uh, he and I are going to get like buy cigarette boats and go to Greece. Um, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh I think May I may I add another the, condition for yeah, you, Mr. Howell? Of course. What if I were to guarantee that um the person who were to drop dead, if if I could promise you it would happen outside of North America? That wouldn't matter so much. I mean, you know, I'm not worried about it being like somebody that I know. Well, I'm, I, I, maybe maybe it would because this person has never said that it's random. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So I, I guess actually now that you say it, like the fact that this person has come to me makes it more likely that they would kill somebody that I would do or was close with or whatever. And now the fact that they're saying that they're not going to. Uh, yeah, maybe I'd be more intrigued to, to get the billion and give nine hundred ninety million mm-hmm. of it to charity, and then he and I go cigarette voting. As he says, uh, a friend of mine told me, Mister Howell, that you were the one to to approach about this because that you might be interested in this in this proposition if instead of money returning to you, it meant the health and well being of people that people that you you loved. Um, it would go a long way to ensuring the health and well-being of people that you loved if you had 990 million million dollars yeah. perhaps yeah I, look i mean you know if, if i thought it was untraceable and i could kill somebody uh, or have somebody die and uh you know russia and i get a billion dollars like i i can sit here and tell you uh, pretend that i would say no uh but i think i would say yes russia then and, do you, do you uh, want to pick the country would you like to select the the country where this would happen. Uh, you can give me a list of five, and then I'll, I'll choose one from it. And I don't feel quite as bad. He uh, he says it was very nice talking to you, Mister Howell, and he. If you can guarantee the person away. is over eighty, uh, you know that'll be. Uh, that, I'll, I'll do it for a little less. <laughs> he uh, he dangles himself off the patio, thinking that he can reach the next patio next door, and falls. <laughs> mm, I can't argue with physics. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I keep telling him. Uh, oh man, yeah, that guy's put me in a bad spot. To make me look bad, but I don't know, man. A billion dollars? I can really, I can really do a lot of things. Like Three bill. Can, take, take, take eighty bill and put seventy nine bill towards it, and then you still got a yeah, bill. Yeah. Well, at some point, you take so much money, you destroy the world economy. Like you can't be like, I'll take forty trillion, and then uh, whoops. Uh-oh. Uh oh. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you could, especially if you could do something that was, I don't know, you talk to like the eBay wizard about that. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, all right, TJ, uh, here's the situation. And this came, uh, you know, Fiction Harry, as you uh, put together, I'm sure everyone did, is a, a pun on Pictionary. 
and Pictionary. It's about drawing, and I, the reason I think I came up with this one is I've been playing some Drawful uh, over uh, Zoom. I do think the uh, You Don't Know Jack games are very good to play over Zoom huh. during our, our time of quarantine. Uh, and if anybody's interested in a bunch of uh, thoughts on some good one-player board games during quarantine, I can help you out there, too. But uh, it just made me think of this. Uh, so here's the situation. A, uh, uh, a benevolent lady wizard comes to you and says, um, I'm going to give you one kind of little parlor trick, if you will. Oh, okay. Um, you could call these different things in parlor tricks, but that's just what I'm calling them. I'm going to list them, and I just want you to pick. Uh, you, you can go ahead and rank them for me and tell me a little bit about why. Okay, okay? great. So uh, the first is you can do a drawing of one animal like astoundingly well okay just you know really 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 good okay yep and it could be anything other than a human being so you can't uh but any other animal you pick one you're just a phenomenal drawer uh you can play one song perfectly on the guitar any song of your choice you can play one song perfectly on the piano any song of your choice you have one great five minute story that's just a guaranteed home run when you tell it You've got one song that you can sing uh, beautifully a cappella. Okay. Uh, and you have one song that you can absolutely crush in karaoke. Okay. Just a, you know, dead bang, 100% winner. People are going to be applauding, cheering every time. All right. Uh, so I believe that was six things. Yes. And I'd be interested in your order. And then... Uh, you could also, if you if you like, you don't have to for each. You can tell me like which animal you pick, which song you pick, that sort of thing. Okay, um, I got my order. Were you on okay. top to bottom or bottom to top? You know, I want to go to the bottom of the top. All right. Um, the 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 ranked sixth ranked um, party trick or uh, what uh, what have you is uh, the one great story. Okay. I think I think I can fashion one of those on on my own. I think that I think I'm capable of of that one. As handy as it might come into, I'd, I'd also worry that I start shoehorning those in when like, hey, we, no one really wanted to hear a story right now, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, it always works though. Always yeah, works. <laughs> number five is draw one animal really really well. Um, I uh, I don't know if I'll uh, I don't know if I'll need it, and as much as I might want it, I don't know if I want a hundred drawings of an elephant or have a hundred people who want a drawing of an elephant. Um, number four is the karaoke song. One great karaoke song as much as a, a uh, you know, like a, uh, a hit is that might be on certain occasions. I had a buddy who did one great karaoke song and he, he was really great. Had a whole like routine and, uh, and then went up and did a second song and, all he did was disappoint because uh, everyone was comparing oh, yeah. it. You, you got to just, you, you got to yeah. leave him one more. Yep. Just do your one and get out of there and then hope they haven't seen you do that same song right. before, although it's still, it's still a hit. Right, right. Um, number three is to play uh, one great song on guitar. No, let okay. me, let me switch this. I'm sorry. Number three, I'm going to say is um, one great song acapella. Okay. That'll be that'll be um, number number three. Th- these top three all seem like ah, the right time for this is always going to be at a like at a wedding 
uh, perhaps the guitar, maybe at the beach, but then I got to bring my guitar around, which is like, looks like a little thirsty to have people ask me to play my guitar, you know? Um, sure does. Yeah. Sure, sure does. But that acapella song, it seems, that seems like a wedding thing, you know? Um, unless I pick like Mambo number no. five, in which case it's a never thing, you know? Um, cause mm-hmm. no one's ever going to want Lou Vega uh, coming coming out of my mouth. What song do you think you pick there? If you could have one song you can sing, you know, very very well. Um, I'm trying to think of a song. It would be a Van Morrison tune. I'd probably pick Van Morrison songs for all of these. Um, um, even though it doesn't need to be sung well right now, I would say my favorite song in the world is Madam George. So I'd probably say Madam George for for that. And Madam George by Van Morrison for this one song I'd play on guitar, which is number two, um, which leaves what I think is the most impressive, versatile, even though I'll only know one song really well on it, um, but instrument that can do the most things, and that would be one great song on piano. And it's the, right. it's the one I have the most common thought of. I never think like, man, I'd love to just know how to play this on on guitar, but whenever I hear great piano pieces like, um van morrison's moon dance has a lot of great a lot of great piano through it or you hear like vince garibaldi's um uh peanuts theme around uh around christmas time you figure like gotta be great just to just to do that also if you're somewhere that happens to have a piano it's always pretty thrilling when someone knows how to play it even if it was one one song like we used to do road shows for for you know like second city and we'd be walking through a a hotel lobby and there's you know like a just a a closed piano over there and that we had a musical director whose primary instrument was piano was always like you could you could get a group together all of a sudden in a in a hotel lobby who didn't know each other all singing and and having a great time because one person knew how to play the piano Oh yeah, that's great. My my grandfather could play. He, he and he, he he really only kind of played about five songs, but he had five songs really good. That's great. And that's... Uh, we would all gather around. That was fun. <laughs> but uh, I do think that um, so I, I for a long time I can't I I probably could without too much more practice. It might take an hour to remind myself, but I could play Layla like uh, on the piano. No kidding. You know, that very that very kind of memorable piano portion yeah. of the song, uh, and it was great because I could always fake it. Like if I was, I could go over to a piano and just bang that one out, you know, in a show or something, and then be like, "Oh, you can play the piano." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah." And then uh, we'll play one more song. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to, thanks to Scorsese. Now that just means that just puts people in the mind of like slow motion violence. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. People would call it the Goodfellas thing, right? <laughs> uh, but I do think I, I, I would like to. That that will be a. Um, it's probably not a this year or next year thing, but at some point in the next ten years, I would like to take the time to get like three songs down on the piano. Yeah, I don't know how I'll do that or who I'll learn it from or where I'll practice it. But my friend, uh, I, I could play the piano when I was a kid. You know what a what a waste of time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, or not a waste of time. Like it was good to do as a kid, but like what a what a loss, right? right. I lost all the ability to do all that stuff. I could play okay, but but I lost it all. And then my friend uh, Thomas Shaw, who was very good, uh, great. I mean, his his father was like a multi uh, Grammy winning uh, chorale conductor. Oh wow! Pianist and composer and so forth and so on. And Thomas can is is a phenomenal musician. So one day he was just like, "I'll teach you how to play Layla. That'll be a good one for you." 
And then, you know, five <laughs> hours later, I could play it. I mean, I'm sure it was super frustrating for him because he was like, oh, this won't take that long. And then it did. But uh, <laughs> it, was, it I'd stuck with me for probably 20 years. I can play the very beginning of Cold as Ice by Foreigner. Um, n- not not well. Just with the, like basically like the two notes are like ding, 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 ding. No left hand. I'm not sure if they're supposed to be left hand incorporated oh, at that point. Get but the left hand. yes, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I could play uh, the beginning of The Entertainer. Oh no, uh, kidding! You know, this thing, one of my favorite movies. So uh, I used to be able to play the entire song The Entertainer. That was like my you know, when I was uh, 12 or whatever, whenever I retired from piano, my like final, when, when I actually, actually was getting to choose songs, I, as I bought like a thing of all this, like Scott Joplin ragtime stuff. And that's what I could play. And I wow. wish I could still play that. Cause I like that. If, 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 if ever he would do it, um, our friend, uh, TJ Shanoff who plays piano, I would, uh, I would beg him to play the, uh, the lead into Billy Joel's angry young man. It is incredibly fast and cool to watch someone play that, play that in person. All right, Russ, you ready for yeah. my last one? Yes, sir. All right. This is, um, uh, inspired by Harry Burns, who was, uh, Billy Crystal's character. And when Harry met Sally and it's a little Very on the good. nose, but, uh, here's the situation, Rush. You are a last-minute fill-in for the Society of Debates in Film. You need to offer the initial debate points for whether men and women can be purely platonic friends or if sex will always play some role regardless of how small and complicate the relationship. Because you are a fill-in, you can choose either side of this argument. Um, So go ahead and choose and offer basically your opening statements for whether you think men and women can be friends or whether sex will always complicate that relationship. Unquestionably, men and women can be friends without sex complicating the relationship. Okay. That is, uh, so exhibit A is um, many of us in life uh, are friends uh, and become friends with the uh, spouse uh, or girlfriend or whatever of our um of, of our male friends or, or vice versa, you know, uh, and, um, those can be, uh, friendships where you would never, ever, ever even contemplate the possibility of any sort of romantic or sexual relationship. And those friendships exist all over the place all the time. What makes the issue complicated in like what, when Harry met Sally and what makes the issue so, so easy ultimately is that there they're really asking about, you know, when both people are single and both people are of the age where they are looking to be dating and they are, you know, otherwise compatible to be dating and they become excellent friends, then sure, you have a very fair question, which is why end it there, right? We theoretically are looking for (laughs) long-term, you know, coupling off and uh, companionship and so forth and so on. But I also kind of reject that notion. So even the weaker form of the argument, I would say, no, there's no requirement that that ultimately um, all relationships have to revolve around, uh, you know, a sexual uh, or romantic interaction. Like uh, there are many, many reasons that you might find uh, somebody um, ultimately attractive to you without finding them physically attractive. even without the barriers associated with, um, uh, you, you know, um, in any number of any number of, uh, of of things like you being married, them being married, them being married to a friend of yours, 
them being a cousin of yours, them being your sister. I mean, my God, of course, there are so many easy ways for a man and a woman to be a friend. That this is one of those questions that I find uh, absurd, like the question of, you know, can women be funny or something? We, we all get it. We're past it. We're done. Men and women can be friends. No doubt. Do you, do you feel yourself, you, you need to find, does, let me, let me think of how to properly phrase this. So if sex does not enter into the relationship at all or the desire for, do you have to turn that switch off? Do you have to come up with a reason to turn it off that it's your, it's your friends, you know, it's your friends other or, um, you know, or, or, or what, what it would complicate work or whatever. So do you, do you have to wrestle with it even in a platonic relationship where you just say like, this is why, or, um, here's, um, here's how this option is being closed off or does it, is it, is it possible that to be a friend with a woman where the, like the thought doesn't enter, um, like it does with a, with a male friend? I think it's hard to uh, to know the answer to that because the gatekeeper function of certain like societal uh, rules is is so powerful and prevalent and so immediate and so uh, kind of overwhelming um, that uh, you, you know I think I think you might just find yourself immediately in that spot and and, and not know whether you turn the switch off of your own volition or. or or just knew that you had to. And, and in either case, it happened, you know, so quickly. Um, but again, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Right. Because every, every human being of course is going to have a different level of like sex drive, I suppose. <laughs> and there may be folks that are just incapable of, uh, of not, of, of, of like dropping the biological imperative even for a moment. But um, I feel like in the same way that like, I don't feel the need to, you know, um, uh, battle everyone for food that I see, right? Like we're, we're well past, like, uh, our, our society is far and away well enough civilized that we, that we need not like give in to simple, like biological urges at all times. And that those urges are, are well within control without the need to like, uh, consciously go and flip a switch. So I would say, right. no, you certainly don't need you know, you don't need, it's not like you see, see a woman and you're like, Oh, uh Oh, I mean, uh, wait a second. It's, um, uh, that person's a stranger. You know, I can't just go up to them and, uh, and, uh, and, and solicit them for intercourse. Right. Like uh, it's, it's not that difficult. <laughs> so let's go to the, let's go to the top, buddy. Alrighty. Uh, so, uh, here's the situation. Yes. Uh, you are, uh, at Hogwarts, you're there for your seventh and final year. You've done great. You know, you made it through six years and, uh, you know, you're just one of the students there, you know, not necessarily there during the time of Harry Potter mm -hmm. and shenanigans and so forth, but you get to pick your uh, schedule. How about that? And you go through, electives. you go through your seven years of Hogwarts and as you're graduating the next year, this kid, Harry Potter comes in and now everyone wants to know about your school and all that, you know, like while well, you're out getting a job, doing your magic, you know, and now all of a sudden there's this, all this hubbub in movies, books, the whole deal. Huh. Yeah. It would drive you crazy. 
but but that's better than being like a fourth year when Harry's a sixth year and 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 he causes school to be shut down for the year. He's like he's like a one man COVID, right? Stopping the entirety of. Uh, the, the school for being able to enjoy themselves. So, yeah. Oh, thank yeah. you. I'd much rather be there. And, you know, may you live in interesting times. All right. Right? Like, <laughs> All right. Sorry. Uh, yes. Um, so I'm in my seventh year. I'm doing good. Yeah. You got, you, you get to pick four academic classes, okay. one uh, kind of athletic endeavor and, uh, and one clinic, right? So one thing where you get to leave the grounds or, uh, or, or, or do practical application of, uh, of, of, what you've learned over the six years. I got him. I tried to, I tried to make some notes as we went. One, I think was influenced by our, by our conversation. So I'll, I'll see if you let these pass for, for classes. I will, I will start with the sport. Um, cause this one is probably the most obvious for anyone who's listened to this before. Um, uh, it's basically you, it's basically baseball with a snitch. Um, so it's super hard to hit, to hit a curveball. Cause the, it's, it's, it, the the snitch still has to cross the plate within the strike zone, but you got to make solid contact on on that thing with a with a bat. Oh yeah, and it's yeah, brutal. Sure. Fielding is also brutal because it takes it does not take straight paths anywhere. You know, so yeah, yeah. Um, the only time it turns off its own will is when you're throwing. You can throw in straight lines, but all other fielding, and you have to field high, low, you know, it's like they're, they're adding a dimension of height to it that you don't normally have to count when you're, when you're trying to field no. the snitch. It's like a fungo on steroids. Yeah. Really, you know? <laughs> or like, yeah, or like a, a, a sentient wiffle ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll give you some of my, some of my classes. Um, one will be like, um, animal charms. So the, okay. the ability to like friend, you know, um, uh, f- yeah, friend and, and, um, ask Speak for with animals. Yep. Yeah. And also have them like assist you or whatever, but you can get like, you know, um, a, a compatriot and stuff, I guess a little bit, it nods a little bit even to the, uh, to the golden compass, but you don't, it doesn't like, you, you don't have just the one that is your companion. You can go out in the world and, and do that. Um, magical, this, this, this class is going to be magical mechanisms. Um, so it'll be things like pocket watches that do other stuff, but it'll be, um, that kind of like tiny gear work and cogs that, that I really like. I picture, um, almost, I think it was around sometimes around Easter time where you'd have like a little wind up chicken and it would like bounce and then, a and then like a, a gumball would come out of it and it, it looked like an egg or whatever. So it'd be like that, but you know, like brassy or bronze. And so all these little magical mechanisms and clocks and all that stuff or um, those cool old models of like the solar system where, you know, the planets would spin around the the sun. And so that would be, that would be one of my classes. Um, I probably, cause I feel like I'm picking some blow off classes. So I want to have one heavy academic, like good. And that'd be magical cures. So I would like, Uh, um, you know, potions or whatever to cure maladies and stuff like that. Especially what happens around here with like what all the stuff that could happen to a kid. It'd be good to have like reverse charms and magical cures like potions level seven. It's a tough class. Yeah. Organic chemistry (laughs) of uh, Hogwarts. It's uh... You know what you're getting into when you sign up. It ain't going to be easy. No. And this one, I think, was based on our conversation. It's going to be my literature class, but it's making like 
living books so that you you open the book and then kind of can walk can walk through the story. So um, whether you assume being a participant where you go through the actions of one of the characters or are just an, uh, an invisible observer to the tale, you get to actually kind of walk the, the settings and, you know, and and witness the dialogue and all and all of that. Um, and then they call that immersive, immersive fiction. That's yes. The name of the, uh, <laughs> yeah. there. It's a good one. And then my clinic will be um, outside, out and about. It'll be trying to expand my animal charms and communicate with animals to trees so i'll be able to to um talk to trees and so it's like a forestry a clinic outside forestry class where i get to glean the like the wisdom and what the what um like a 80 year old oak tree has has witnessed in its in its lifestyle so it's also kind of like working work your way up to the whomping willow if things go really well yeah it's it's sort of like working with senior citizens so it also looks good on a resume you know like it's it's a lot of working with 70 80 90 year olds you know yeah yeah well you're gonna get you're gonna be hired by the the uh magical forestry (laughs) uh, (laughs) Ah, he's a good kid a lot of time in those dangerous woods did you have uh, the schedule? I think you're going to have a lot of fun in your seventh year. I think so. Yeah. I, and I, I don't think I, I don't feel like I'm too pressed with four, four hard classes, a, uh, you know, a, uh, a practical outdoor and, uh, and some sports. I think, I think I've got a pretty, pretty light schedule. It's good. It, it, you know, enjoy it. And then you can slack off a little bit in your second oh, semester. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Two, take two yeah. studies, you know, the, <laughs> All Do right. Have a few more butter beers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got to be careful with the butter beers, and I, I don't want to open any any tough doors I can't close. Oh, that would be my other class. Doors, doors you can't close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's it for this one. Anything we're missing, Rush? I don't think so. All right. Thanks to Nate, who does our producing. Julie does the the music. Emily, who did the art. Uh, thanks to you guys. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, here's the situation podcast at gmail.com. Uh, or you can go by the, the, the Twitter joint or the, uh, or that's it, right? Just the Twitter joint. So yeah, stop by and, uh, and see whatever's going on in there. You might have a better, better idea of what's happening on there than, than we do. Uh, so uh, I think that's it for, uh, for Rush and myself. Stay healthy, stay well, and we'll, we'll hope to talk to you soon. Thank you.